the free for all roundtable round one on round one let's say good morning to scott reed cdb political commentator advisor to prime minister paul martin deb hutton is here former senior advisor to two ontario premiers and jerry agar host of the jerry agar show nine to noon on news talk 1010 and actually just as a sidebar scott reed i'm only guessing here but i have to think that um you probably had a, a crush on rebecca from cheers um, not really, no, to be okay. honest. I was more of a Diane uh, person. I kind of resented really? uh, Rebecca. Yeah, I was all over Diane. I like the skinny blonde with like, you know, the erudite, uh, ridiculous references. Yeah. You know that Diane wasn't the hot one. Who was the hot one? <laughs> Christy Alley. This is too oh. early in the morning for me. <laughs> yeah, all right. Let's well, keep what it. Betty or Veronica? I was always Betty, you know? <laughs> oh, surely, Deb, you had a crush on somebody on TV, if we want to all be open about this. Oh, yeah. Starsky and Hutch. <laughs> okay. Dukes Tell of me it's Hutch. Dukes of Hazzard. Tell me it's Hutch. <laughs> I think it's disappointing nobody mentioned Carla. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let's keep moving then. Honestly, I thought we were throwing a line in the water and we didn't get a fish. Um, so, listen, uh, let's start with uh, something we were just talking about on the show, an NDP MPP who wants to push for doctors to stop taking people's driver's licenses away. It's not actually the doctors, but it's a procedure where if somebody goes to see a doctor, there's a possibility the doctor reports them to the licensing bureau and their license is suspended. Jerry, I'll start with you on this one because I can appreciate multiple angles. I mean, there are people, I think, who, for medical reasons, probably should lose their license but you also don't want somebody for spurious reasons like the example i was giving earlier where a guy had heat stroke went to the hospital they said you're fine but then he lost his license for a month yeah well this has been bubbling around for a little while this story and and the reporting has shown that there are great numbers of people who lose their license almost as though people are just aggressively checking off a box on a form and people are losing their license almost with no opportunity to go in and defend themselves and uh, a driver's license is is key to so much in our lives. And if you're, you you need your driver's license for your work, then you're really in trouble. We don't want people who shouldn't be driving out on the road, but we don't want to just uh, arbitrarily start taking licenses away. Yeah, and Deb Hutton, at the same time, I wish I had known more about my father's driving habits because I didn't drive with him uh, very often uh, before we ultimately had to take the keys away from him. But again, that was not a doctor. That was us. Yeah, and I will say I was extremely grateful that my dad's doctor made the decision so we didn't have to because it was past its time. I, there's, this is a head scratcher for me because we do need this system. We absolutely 100% need it. And yes, for many cases, it's because of our elderly who, who just simply don't have the ability to drive anymore. In our case, it was the start of dementia. But you need an appeal system that's effective. So I, to me, it's a bit of a no-brainer. Make sure we've got a good appeal system. Uh, when your license is being taken away, you have to be notified, have an opportunity to make your case. But at the end of the day, our medical professionals need to be able to do this. Scott Reed, the reason we were talking with the NDP MPP is because he's advancing a private member's bill. I think the principles behind it are very compelling. But again, I can appreciate both sides to this, because like I said, there was, you know, my father, we probably should have taken his keys away a year before we did. And, and look, I'm in agreement with Teb. I think when you can see both sides that are an issue like this, I think it tells you that it's not a question of whether we should do it. It's a question of how we should do it. I'm not sure how we do it right now is exactly correct. You know, maybe you need a, like a panel of three doctors that sort of all can say, okay, yeah, 
we've looked at this within 30 days uh, and we concur and then the license suspended. Maybe you need some appeal mechanism, probably do. But just having, you know, any random doctor for almost any random reason without having to defend their rationale, say, sorry, it's yanked. That does seem unfair. These people know uh, no pathway, especially if your livelihood depends upon driving. Today is the 6th of December. It is the anniversary of the killing of 14 young women at the Polytechnique in Montreal. And in the wake of um, uh, in the Montreal Canadiens goalie who has come out against the federal government's drug law or not drug laws, gun laws, um, we learned that he didn't actually know about the 6th of December. Deb Hutton, I get it. He was two years old when it happened. But you'd think people would know about something like that. Well, I asked my uh, 15-year-old, and she actually had been taught it in school. It was part of one of her lessons in the last couple of years, so probably around grade 8. So it did surprise me a little bit. Um, I do cut him a bit of slack, but I think if you're going to speak out about these things, you need to be knowledgeable and understand the context for not only your side of the equation, but the other side. Yeah, Scott Reed, I think it's probably pretty cynical that this whole gun control bill has come up around the time of December 6th, but at the same time, when Kerry Price was pointed out on, you know, on the weekend when he was coming out against the gun control bill, and they said, what about the 6th of December? And he said, I've never heard of it. I thought, really? What kind of vacuum do you live in? Well, I was surprised. Now, I was at university when it occurred. So to me, it's like a searing memory. And I remember how it gripped the campus at in Kingston, happening, you know, just down the road, essentially, in Montreal. But uh, so I am puzzled that he could live in the culture and the and and the hotbed that is Montreal and have that many December sixes pass and not be conscious of it. But more than that, I would say this, and I think he made a mistake. But it's not the mistake some people are going to think that I I uh, will assert. He can have a point of view and he can choose to speak out. As far as I'm concerned, I'm not anti a celebrity coming out on a on an issue. But you've got to know your stuff. And you can't say afterwards, well, I didn't realize the firearm I was holding wasn't necessarily captured. I didn't realize that the group that I was being associated with has these downsides. I don't support that. I didn't know about December. You can't do this. So if you're going to use your celebrity to shine a light on an issue, then you are going to own that. And you better be deliberate. And I think, and I love Carrie Price. Like, I, I'm a monster Habs fan, as you know, and I adore Carrie Price. But I think he was too cavalier uh if you're going to weigh in you got to be very deliberate you got to know your stuff and you don't stumble into something you walk into it with your head high yeah but john you said what kind of vacuum was he living in he was living in the vacuum of professional athlete and from the time that they are little children they are insular in terms of what they're interested in and the feedback they get uh and the older they get and the better they get more and more of their life is actually managed by other people the equipment is looked after everything when they get to the game their stuff is all there for them there was i think it was way i think it was steve garvey who years ago after he got out of baseball started a company to actually assist professional athletes from professional sports to transition almost like a halfway house into uh, the real world because they're so insulated that they actually don't know what's going on around them. Yeah, and I'm sympathetic to that, but at the same time, I don't know that it's unique to somebody who lived in the silo, I guess, that uh, Carey Price has lived in. I mean, Jerry, you must come across this quite frequently just in terms of open line and hosting and stuff like that. Um, it, It just seems to me that people live so much in the present, they know nothing about the past. 
Well, yeah, but I mean, you, you can't know everything about everything. And I think it's easy to say there's there's truth in what Deb and uh, Scott are saying. If, that you, if you choose to weigh in on an issue, maybe do a little reading up and have a few things. But what he was looking at, I think, is, wait a minute, how's this going to affect me? I'm a law-abiding person. How come I'm being affected by this? That was entirely his reaction, I believe. We had uh, recently uh, a Canadian Olympic athlete, a shooter, the Pan Am Games and the Olympic Games, on behalf of Canada. She came out with a statement against what the, the government is trying to do with guns. I don't know if you sat her down and really quizzed her, if she could um, pass a really hard test on the history of guns in Canada, but I don't know that she has to. There is this organization in, in Europe that has been blowing the whistle on these quote-unquote Chinese police stations in Canada. They now insist there are more than we had anticipated uh, existed. I mean, Scott Reed, you've worked in the Prime Minister's office. Uh, what kind of attention should be paid to this? I'm sorry, you blinked out on me there, pal. Is this the uh, Chinese police station yes. issue? Yeah. Yes, I apologize. Uh, my phone blinked for a sec. Um, well, I, I mean, I think a tremendous amount. Um, I don't know how valid the report is. I don't know the organization. I don't know the comprehensivity that they claim is uh, true. But it's apparent that this is occurring. And it's apparent, obviously, in a whole variety of ways that um, China is being very aggressive um, you know, in terms of technology, in terms of espionage, cyberspace, but uh, you know, also in in utilization of its diaspora in Western democracies, uh, of which this is an example. And I, I I would say when people go, well, I don't hear too much from government about it. You don't hear too much from governments about it. And I think that all governments are conscious of this. I think they know a lot more than they're saying, and I think they're probably not saying. Uh, as much because the security risks are probably pretty substantial and they're trying to feel their way. But we don't have a lot of time to figure this stuff out. I mean, I, I, you know, this was these reports are that these stations are set up in 2016. I can tell you when I was in the PMO, I had a meeting where um, there was a suggestion that there had been a, um, a deliberate infiltration effort into a senior staff situation uh, in our government where uh, Chinese uh, essentially I'll call them Chinese spies were trying to m meander their way in. Um, so that and that's almost 20 years ago. So, you know, <laughs> China ain't going to change unless it's made to change. Uh, but how you make it change is a very, very complicated, thorny issue. Deb Hutton, I guess my abiding concern would be that this is probably, I don't imagine if it's as elaborate, but I'm sure Russia's running operations in Canada. I'll bet Iran is as well. Yeah, I mean, I appreciate Scott's point that these things have to be handled for you don't want to create a bigger security risk by handling them. But I was actually slightly encouraged by the federal government's new Indo-Pacific uh, strategy, where we seem to finally, as a country, be wanting to stand up against some of these aggressors. So I would love us to take the lead. It obviously has to be something that's done as a, as a global community against whether it's China or Russia. But come on, guys, this can't happen on Canadian soil. It just can't. Jerry Agar? Nothing to add. They did well. <laughs> well, you can use the old Christy Blatchford phrase. Yes, that is my analysis also. That is my analysis also. <laughs> okay. Uh, what about executives testifying in Ottawa, insisting that they have not been padding their bottom line um, under the guise of inflation? And Jerry Agar, I don't think there is a single mathematical or economic model to prove that they have. Well, here's the problem that they have. And it is, I, I think you're right. And I think that uh, as they invest more, as prices go up at their end, 
then maybe there's more profit at the end, the other end, if they conduct their business properly. The, the problem that the grocery stores have is, yeah, but there's that bread price fixing thing. Yeah. Like they have priors, is what I'm saying. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Scott Reed, it's kind of hard when Galen Weston is a billionaire for him to keep saying, no, 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 everything's fine. I think that's right. And that's probably why over the years those guys have been told, you know, uh, just lay off. Don't engage this fight. Um, you're an unsympathetic warrior and it won't go well for you. But if you notice over the course of the past four or five months, they have decided to engage. And, you know, even before this parliamentary hearing, um, but certainly at the parliamentary hearing, I like I'll just say, I'd be curious to know if Jerry and, and Deb, you guys both spend lots of time hosting. All four of us have spent time on air. I'm kind of I'm starting to think. They're making a dent in people's views. My mom mentioned this to me the other day. She goes, you know, it's not all the fault of them. You know, there's a whole bunch of other issues going on. And when I'm on the radio and we talk about this, I'm surprised at the number of people that call in. And, you know, there's lots who say, hang them high, the, you know, and kill the rich. But there are some who say, well, there's more to the story than we know. And it's actually not as condemning for the big uh, grocery magnets as we might think. So I think they're starting to actually get some traction. Okay. I mean, Deb, I would think that the best thing they could do is just show us the math. It if, you know, lettuce was $5 a head two years ago and it's $8 a head now wholesale, then I'll get it. Yeah, and I, I think Scott's right. They are they are at least maybe not going that uh, finite in their in their efforts, but they are actually telling a story about food prices. Uh, my concern on this, whenever we talk about it on air, John, is that people want to control. Government should step in. Government should not allow this. Government should tell the grocery stores what they can charge. That kind of mentality, which I of course reject. But what government can do, and a parliamentary committee is fine, but I don't think it's that effective, is to actually really have the competition bureau or set up another body that's more uh, acceptable from a food perspective but make sure there is absolutely zero collusion zero price fixing that's what government can do really keep an eye on these um, on these big guys and encourage more competition generally in the sector my thanks to you deb hutton scott reed jerry agar Catch the roundtable, round one at 745, round two at 845. Weekday mornings on more in the morning. News Talk 1010 Toronto.